Hey everyone and welcome back. Hope everything's going great with you. Things are great with me. We are rapidly approaching Holy Week and the culmination of our devotional series. We've spent the first half of this week looking at a few of Jesus' miracles and what they reveal about his identity, his power and authority. His simple message to the world was repent and believe the good news. And his life was the embodiment of that good news in all of its dimensions, reaching out to the least, identifying with the broken, healing the sick, raising the dead, and making people right with God by forgiving their sins. It's absolutely incredible to me when we're able to do what we did and, and soak in who Jesus is and what he does for people who are in such difficult and defeating circumstances. What's interesting, though, is that somehow there were people in Jesus' day who were actually critical of him, despite all of the good that he was doing. And for the rest of this week, we're going to observe these people and try to understand what made them respond to Jesus in this way. I think it's very important that we come to terms with who they were and why they were because of the implications it could have for our own lives. I hope that sounds good to you all. And if it doesn't, you're just going to have to roll with it. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today for our health, for our ability to gather together around your word, and for you being a God that's living and active, that you're ever present with us. But even more than that, you're not just ever present and sitting on the sidelines, but you're ever present and you're working, uh, working like a father, uh, helping his children take their next step in life. And so uh, we are expectant about what you're going to do today. Um, as we each try to press into your word, learn from you, and put it into practice. God, we ask your blessing on this time um, that we may be strengthened and you may be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Today we're going to read Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23, and read down to Mark chapter 4, ending in verse 6. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. 
He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. As I said at the beginning of our time today, we're uh, starting to focus on the attitude and behavior of those who were the greatest opponents of Jesus. Uh, in the two short passages that we just read, we, we see their opposition framed by the Jewish Sabbath. The Sabbath was and actually continues to be the day of rest. Remember uh, from our study of the creation account that God instituted the Sabbath and his instructions to his people would later be to, quote, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, end quote. In other words, take a day off and be with me. Enjoy my presence. Trust that I can keep the world turning, even if you're taking time off. And let me help you rest in ways that prepare you for a productive week ahead. It really was something to be a Jew. I mean, it still is, frankly. To be descendants of the people God made his greatest promises to, 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 to be the nation that he chose as his own, to be the ones that he gave his law to, to be an example to the rest of the world. If all of that and more is true, and I, I believe that it is, what a heritage, what an identity, and also what a responsibility to live up to. I'm sure that you notice in today's readings that the Pharisees were the ones who were cold towards Jesus. Broadly speaking, the Pharisees were an influential religious sect within Judaism who took being Jew Jewish very seriously. They were primarily middle-class businessmen who were well-versed in both religion and legal matters. And they were known for their emphasis on personal piety and obeying the laws of the Torah, of which there were more than 600. Like many things that we humans do, I imagine that there were some good intentions in their original pursuit of obedience. I think there were some Pharisees who really did love God and really did want to honor him with their lives by living in accordance with his commands. But in, inevitably what happened was that their behavior became less of a heartfelt response to God and more a projection of personal achievement and superiority over others. At one point, I'm sure the Pharisees asked themselves the question, what does it mean to truly rest on the Sabbath? That's what God has instructed us to do, so we should be sure that we know what it means so that we can actually do it. At some point, though, good intentions uh, turned bad and caused them to miss the mark. They became so fixated on defining rest and work that they were never at rest and neither was anyone else who was around them. To this day in Orthodox Judaism, there are 39 categories of work that are prohibited on the Sabbath, including things like carrying, writing, erasing, combing, chain stitching, and of course, reaping. When the Pharisees saw Jesus' disciples picking heads of grain or reaping as they passed through the fields on the Sabbath, they were agitated. 
we're God's people, and today is the day of rest. You guys claim to be God's people too, so why are you working? We all know that God wants his people to obey him. If I were Jesus, I probably would have responded sarcastically. Oh, it's the Sabbath? Well, we don't have any home because we're out sharing the good news that God has come for his people. And my disciples are hungry because we often don't eat while we're on the move. So would you approve if they just had a little snack? Oh, and thank you so much for offering us a cup of water on this hot day. Thankfully, Jesus is way kinder than I am, to say the least. He simply replied, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Pharisees sought superiority through perfect performance, or at least the false projection of perfect performance. Jesus came to remind us that perfect performance is impossible for us. God's love for people isn't contingent on their obedience. Their obedience is supposed to be and has always supposed to have been a response to his perfect love. The Sabbath was an act of grace, a gift given to people, giving them per permission to not work for a day, to simply be, and to enjoy life apart from the constant pressure to produce. The Pharisees had turned the Sabbath into a measuring stick by which they could render judgment on others. The great irony was that in doing so, they made the Sabbath the least restful day of the week. We've all heard of someone missing the forest for the trees, that they missed the main point because they got so fixated on something that didn't really matter. That was the Pharisees. It wasn't just that they missed the point of God's commands, though. It was that their focus on religious observance made them less human, at least according to God's definition of what it is to be human. How do I know that? I look at Jesus. In his humanity, God wasn't showing off to make us feel bad or giving us yet another bar that we couldn't live up to. Jesus was showing us what it was like to be who we were created to be. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. We're not created to be messiahs. I don't believe that. But I do believe that we were created to love each other, to sacrifice for each other, to, to share life with each other to make sure that no one was ever alone. We were created to steward the planet and to live productive lives. And all of that was to be fueled by a deep, authentic, constant relationship with God. We were intended to be without sin. That's what Jesus showed us. In the portion of this passage from chapter 3, Jesus gives the Pharisees another chance to get it another chance to be human. Do you see this man, this person, this human being? Do you see his condition? Does it bother you at all that there's a human being in front of you who is going through life with difficulty? Do you want the best for him? Don't you care? Those were my words. Jesus said, which is lawful on the Sabbath? to do good or to do evil. The text tells us that they remain silent. Jesus was angry and distressed at the effect that sin was having on them. It's amazing that 
those who claimed great godliness or those who missed God when he was right in front of their faces. The, the gospel of Jesus comes to us as good news. It's, it's great news, isn't it? Incredible news when we really think about it. A, a relationship with God, complete forgiveness of every wrong I've ever done and every wrong I'll ever do, the hope of eternal life and, and renewed purpose in this life, all given to me as a gift. It's incredible. One of the things that we cannot miss about the gospel, though, is that it leaves no room for superiority between us and others. In the words of Tim Keller, the gospel tells us that we're more sinful than we ever dared imagine and more loved than we ever dared hope. No matter how religious you are, your smallest and least significant act of disobedience to God nailed Jesus to the cross. You are responsible for his death. And yet your biggest and most significant act of disobedience couldn't keep him from dying for you. He would have done it if you were the only person who ever lived and you are free because of it. We're both sinful and loved, every single one of us. I encourage you to reflect on that today and, and to rest in it. Let it sink into your heart until it's real to you. And especially if you're a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to take seriously the temptation to be a Pharisee. Root it out of your life and give it to God. Ask the Lord to rid you of it. Ask him to give you the heart of Jesus to become more human so that you can become more and more sensitive to meeting the needs of those around you, no matter what day of the week it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and Holy God, we thank you for your loving challenge to us today, for bringing the Pharisees to our attention. Um, help us to never think that we are above them, uh, that we can never fall to the same temptation that they fell to. Um, and God, just guard us from that. Um, help us each to respond today in a, a, an authentic way to you, uh, to get ourselves before you, to allow you to soften our hearts, whether that's more time in the word, whether it's more time in prayer, whether it's putting down our phone and going for a walk um, and just reflecting on your greatness and your goodness. Gotta pray that you would make us more and more like Jesus. And we ask it according to his character and identity. Amen.